the Title Town Podcast, Episode 2. Well, hi there. You're listening to Episode 2 of the Title Town Podcast. My name is Austin Gann, and I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Daniel Marhanka. Daniel, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, and I think we made it to Episode 2, we so made that's it. a milestone in itself. For sure, we made it. And I just want to thank everyone on Twitter and in person who just gave really good feedback and yes. was super encouraging. I mean, you guys are the ones who are trying to do this for to bring out good NFL and Packers content. So yes, really, that's our goal. Really appreciate the feedback. It was really great to see. Uh, we are up on Spotify and Apple and everywhere else where you get podcasts. Uh, so going forward, you'll have your uh, pick of the litter where you want to listen to us at. We hope to get better as we continue to do this. So please keep the feedback coming. Uh, we always welcome it and we, we hope you enjoy it. Daniel, we're going to get right to it. We're not going to mess around. We're not going to lollygag. No conversations, just straight, hard-hitting NFL news. Yes, we're going to get right into around the NFL. Some big contracts got done around the league, Daniel. Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones signs a four-year, $85 million deal that includes $60 million in guarantees. The amount that Jones is being paid this year is actually the same he would have made if he played on the franchise tag, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so Chiefs GM Brett Veach is out here working some magic with a salary cap and keeping guys on the team. Yeah, after that Mahomes deal, I was unsure if they had a do they dime have any to money? Pay their grandma, but, right? Uh, yeah, I mean it's a good deal for them. I think a player like that who plays interior defensive line is kind of hard to find in the NFL. I would yes. say there's only three to five, I guess, elite guys at the position, and I would definitely classify Chris Jones as elite at that position. So being able to lock that up, a good run stopper, and, I mean, he's in a 4-3, so he's able to pass rush a little Mm -hmm. bit more than, say, Kenny Clark's able to. So I think that's a really good pickup for the Chiefs just to lock him in and not have any questions going into training camp about his uh, (laughs) holding out or what he would do. Yeah, for sure. The next item on the news uh, Cleveland Browns pass rusher Miles, a.k.a. uses another man's helmet as a weapon, Garrett, signs a five-year, $125 million extension. $100 million in guarantees and $50, 50 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, this is a fun little thing I found on the internet. Uh, Miles was fined $45,623 for hitting Mason Rudolph at the head with his own helmet. With this $125 million deal, Garrett could hit Mason in the head with a helmet 2,739 more times before he'd run out of money. I think that's all that needs to be said about it. That oh. is the best stat. That is something that you would find nowhere else. No other podcast is going to bring that hard hitting of a fact. But I would just say uh, Miles Garrett's an above average pass rusher for sure in this league. And I think uh, the only thought I have on this is when he was talking, just that scene in Happy Gilmore, when Happy is basically getting interviewed or something's happening, and he goes, yeah, I tried to take off my skate and stab someone before. (laughs) No one's ever done that. So I think that was Miles Garrett's leverage and contract talks is no one since Lyle Alzado has taken off their (laughs) helmet and swung it at another player. I could take another guy's (laughs) helmet off and hit him in the head with it. Yep. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's so these deals are very interesting, Daniel. Especially the Chris Jones one uh, are relevant to the Packers because uh, Kenny Clark, stud defensive tackle for the Packers, uh, remains entering the final year of his rookie contract without an extension. While he obviously won't command uh, Miles Garrett levels of money, even though you know Garrett's kind of a different position and is considered a star player, 
Uh, he's kind of up there with Jones as being the, the top defensive tackle in the league. Uh, he'll want something close to Chris, and the Packers already have a lot of mouths to feed uh, going to the calendar year next year. Uh, is anybody else nervous that Kenny Clark hasn't like gotten extended yet? Me? Am I alone? Um, I'm not nervous because I definitely think he and probably David Bakhtiari are top of their list just because they're really difficult positions to find really good players at, and the yep. Packers have two of the best. Um, I think as far as how similar the money will be, I think guaranteed money will be very similar to what Chris Jones was making, but I could definitely see the Packers getting a five-year deal out of Kenny Clark and kind of spreading out that money a little bit more because right. I think that would make it a little bit more team-friendly and also... Uh, I'm not sure the age difference, but I believe Kenny Clark is younger than Chris Jones. Yeah. So um, I think they could get that extra year kind of at his prime. So I definitely think that it does affect, it kind of sets the market. I don't think that Kenny has to go crazy over or crazy under that amount, but I think he'll be right at that, especially with guaranteed money. Yeah, and the interesting thing too with uh, Clark, if he does get, say, a five-year extension, yeah. He's got to be 29 by the time that thing's done. And that's still young. I'm You're very young. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's about the age of uh Aaron Donald if I don't if I don't Yeah, Aaron yeah. Donald's still really young. Cuz he came too. in the league at 2012, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, I think yeah, you're going to get the prime of Kenny Clark and I think um the way Kenny Clark plays uh I heard this from a guy on Twitter, but how he plays would work so much better probably in a 4-3 because Kenny could do more pass rushing. But I think what Kenny can do and bring to a 3-4 with taking double teams and freeing up the linebackers, your edge rushers, your uh, safety who comes down and plays in the box is so effective. And he still wreaks havoc in the pass game. I think we saw that a lot towards later of the season when he was just bull rushing <laughs> with him and uh, – I think it was Zadarius who would always come in and they would just hit the center and the right or left guard and really wreak havoc. So I'm excited about that. And I hope that that deal gets done Uh, me too before training camp or in training camp, because that, that worries me a little bit going into the season. Yeah. Moving on to the next item, Derek Henry signs a four year, $50 million extension. Uh, There's another green Bay Packer player who's relevant to this extension. And that is Aaron Jones. I think this one actually works in the favor of the people who really want Aaron Jones to stay a Green Bay Packer. If Henry would have broke the bank like uh, Christian McCaffrey's deal, he got a monster deal, it would have been bad for the chances of Jones staying in Green Bay. Uh, and it's kind of interesting, Daniel, because the free agent uh, running back class next year is insanely loaded. Absolutely insanely loaded. The, the, the names there of running backs that are going to be free agents next year include Jones, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley, and then some maybe next tier names like Chris Carson, Matt Breida, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, and Tariq Cohen. So just like how the quarterback market was overloaded this year, next year the running back market's going to be overloaded. Yeah, I think that definitely works in the Packers' favor as far as right now. They could... I hope so they get a deal done quickly just to kind of lock up that position because I really want to see him and A.J. Dillon in two years being one of the better one-two punches in the NFL, if not sooner. And I think – 
I think Jones is a Green Bay Packer. Like he has yes. that vibe to him. He feels and, such like a Packer. And so I think him having that uh, is definitely just an awesome thing to have on your organization. And I think that's one thing that I really like about this Packers team in general is they just have a lot of players who just exemplify what it means to be a Green Bay Packer. And so I really hope that they can get a deal done. And I think he's on that list of who's coming up in free agency. I would take him over most of those names just Mm -hmm. because of how complete of a running back he is. He does every single thing above average, if not to a great level of running back play. So I hope they can get that deal done. Daniel, the uh, next item on the news is Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott will be the third quarterback in the history of the NFL to actually play on the franchise tag and not get an extension done. The uh, deadline passed for Dak and the Cowboys to get an extension done. Uh, So he'll be playing uh, on the franchise tag and he'll get $31 million guaranteed. Both sides are now no longer allowed to negotiate a contract extension until after uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Daniel, I don't know if you saw it. It kind of flew under the radar on Twitter, but Dak's brother sent out a very interesting tweet. So do you follow Dak Prescott's brother Uh, to get this kind of information? Absolutely not. Uh, It just happened to pop up in my uh, timeline. I think somebody retweeted it. Do you also follow Luke and Jordan Rogers? (laughs) No. No. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Fa- I just want to make sure if you just have this list of prime to elite quarterbacks levels of just family members, so or significant others, or I don't, significant. I don't others. follow Danica Patrick either. I didn't before, and I don't. Yeah, now. I think we all followed her, unfollowed her in the last week. Yeah, the Packers Twitter was a blaze. <laughs> I didn't know people cared that much about who Aaron was dating. Sorry, that that just we just got down that tangent. We could have made a whole episode on. We could have made a whole episode on Aaron and Danica Patrick. Do you want to hear my theory? Sure. Well, okay. since we're here, go ahead. Since we're here, Aaron Rodgers plays better with a girlfriend. I hope what? Packer. I hope Packers fans know that. 2014, dating Olivia Munn, one of his best seasons, won the MVP. I feel like the general it, consensus during, is. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from. When yes, he doesn't have a girlfriend. He plays better in 2010. He didn't have a girlfriend, won the Super Bowl, but that that's not his best statistical season. And the defense played really good that year. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Rodgers was great in the playoffs, I'll give you that. So maybe the focus is don't have a girlfriend during the playoffs. <laughs> but let me say this, in 2011, he dated off and on with like three different girls. <laughs> and he, was, he won the MVP through 45 touchdown passes, and we went 15-1. and one. So... My case is that he plays better with a girlfriend, but I know that's not a popular opinion. Yeah, Packers Twitter is ablaze with this. I, I legitimately didn't realize people cared that much about who he was dating. Hey, hey, when it's July and we're about two weeks from training camp, anything is major news. <laughs> that is that is true. Well, so we're segue back to Dax Brothers tweet, and I quote. There is a reason why I was never a Cowboys fan growing up. And and let's make note, he added the Cowboys here. (laughs) How you know he's serious is he tagged the Cowboys in this. There is a reason I was never a Cowboys fan growing up or before they uh, drafted Dak. After today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for them. The Prescott family ain't happy. (laughs) Sticking up for Dak here. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I want to ask you this question. Would you sign Dak Prescott to a long-term deal? If you would have asked me this this time last year, I would have said no. Today, I would sign him. 
Okay. Uh, my reserve is I, I'm kind of with the Cowboys on this one. I want to see how he fits in with this new Mike McCarthy-led team. And I get that. And maybe after this year, they realize, hey, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott work really well together. But what if they say, no, let's go find someone in the draft, you know? So I really, I respect the decision for the Cowboys for kind of waiting this long. And, you know, he was kind of Jason Garrett's guy and kind of, that he's kind of like, Jason Garrett's quarterback. He was yes. up. He was down. He had his really good moments. He had his really low moments. But I. So I mean, he never really made any waves in the playoffs either. So I don't. I don't disrespect the Cowboys at all. I can see how it's really frustrating for Dak and I guess his, his brother. Is very his, upset his, about his, it. I'm really concerned about uh, Dak Prescott's brother and how he feels. But um, yeah. So I. I don't see any problems with how it's the just Cowboys an interesting wrinkle this. when. Last year, Dak was going to the Cowboys trying to get it. He wanted to get an extension done. Yeah. And they were like, no, that's okay. And so now Dak's trying to make him pay for it. Yeah. And I mean, making $31 million guaranteed in the NFL is really good. So I don't think there's a loser in this situation. Boy, it's hard to think there's a piece of paper saying if you sign it, you're going to make $31 million in yeah. a year. And you just say, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So that, that's I, tough. I think. It's a win-win for both sides. I think Dak gets to figure out what he wants to do, and also the Cowboys get to figure out what they want to do long-term. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, Daniel, as I mentioned in the last episode, we're going to transition now. Uh, we have a bunch of different rotating segments, and we'll come up with some different ones and have some fun ideas based on what's going on in the world. Uh, we're going to transition to a new segment I like to call Tweet of the Week. Uh, the, the tweet for this week, uh, Tavern Wisconsin Sports actually put out a really interesting Twitter poll. Daniel, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I think we'd have an interesting discussion. The tweet is, would you trade Aaron Rodgers and his salary next season if you could resign all five of the following players to a multi-year deal? Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, and Corey Lindsley. Daniel, what would you do? Tread lightly because Packers Twitter might come after you. Yes. May I ask two follow-up questions? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. The court is in session. Can I replace Corey Lindsley and use his money for the 2022 season to re-sign Jair Alexander? Wow, you look really deep. It's sure. Why not? Okay. So you're so you're not as concerned with Corey Lindsley on the list. I mean, they signed John Hansen, and I think if anything, Aaron Rodgers is a big Lucas Patrick fan. So maybe he sticks around if Aaron doesn't. And they also have John Runyon. Lane Taylor, people who could move inside and play that center position. Now, mm -hmm. I, I love Corey Lindsley, but that's just kind of where I'm that's, at with that's that. Your, that's your I'd rather have Jair Alexander. That's your nitpick. You're worrying about Jair, which is a good point because we got more mounts to feed later on. More it's not just this year. Correct. And then my second question would be this. What are we getting in return for Aaron? Is it a draft Ooh. pick? Most likely a draft pick. Second round? I don't know if they're going to get a first for him. I really don't. I think It would depend on the team. Yeah, and how desperate they are. Also, I mean, if the 49ers were like, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo's not yeah. it. Also, I really think Gudenkist is going to do this a little smarter than Ted is. And he's going to make sure that it is never going to come back to the NFC North. So I could see him going So he's straight. not going to get traded to the Bears is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I really don't think he's going to get traded to the NFC at all. I yeah. think if Gudenkist is – if this is his four-year plan to get Jordan Love in here – by 2021 or 2022, 
I think he knows that Rodgers has something left in the tank and doesn't want to have to face what Ted Thompson had to face with with Brett Favre. And so I think he has to go to the AFC. Yeah. So, yeah, if it's a second-round pick and we're going to be guaranteed to sign Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, and my little stipulation of removing Corey Lindsley and Jair. Saving that cash for Jair. Getting that cash for Jair, I would say probably. Just because I feel like right now, going into this season, it has to be Super Bowl. This is it. It has to be it because of where kind of the salary cap could go after this season. Mm -hmm. If teams aren't making more revenue, salary cap in general could come down a little bit. And right now, I think the Packers have every piece in place to make a Super Bowl run. And I mean, last year, it kind of shocked us. Not going to lie to make the NFC Championship game. That was a little bit of a shock, but I don't think we realized. Not for me because I picked the Packers to go 13-3. and But did you see them going to the NFC Championship game? I mean, game? I picked them to go 13-3. Okay. I'm just reminding you of Is that. Is that going to be a episode reminder every time we I will record? work it in every chance I get because you called me a homer and called me I stupid. I called you a homer. For saying they'd go 13-3, and and I said, just watch. And what did they do? They went 13-3. and mm-hmm. And you. very just uncharacteristic ways they went 13 and three in spite of how you feel about them. Yeah. But I, I would say, I I mean, quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, probably in sports, but I would have to let them slide because the people around in green Bay right now could help Jordan love Yes. More than I think they can help Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be better, and I, I'm I'm on I'm in the same boat. It breaks my heart. I love Aaron. I would do the trade only because it's it's going to be harder to find pieces later to replace those guys and put them around Absolutely. Jordan than just having Jordan and having guys we know know the system. They fit. They're great guys, and having them on the team and having them for this conversation. Long-term. Like uh, we talked about having this topic, and I didn't want to have it because. This hurts me to say. Like, I literally just said I want the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers, which just grieves me so much because that's really what I've known growing up is later years of Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers so Aaron. I hate to say that, but I just think long term, it puts the Packers in a lot better of a situation if he were to move on and we got that salary cap space and maybe a second round draft pick. So, I don't know. I, I would really like to move on as quick as we can if we don't have <laughs> any more thoughts. Because this is really is this hurting, hurting me. you right now, now more, or back in April when they drafted Jordan Love? What's hurting right now more? Talking about trading Aaron? It's hurting me more now because it's becoming more and more of a possibility. Yes, and it's setting in as a reality of like this very well could happen. Yeah, and so for the Aaron Rodgers diehards out there, which I... I'm with you guys. I am with you 100%. I am sorry. <laughs> and I hope that this isn't the demise of this podcast. <laughs> episode <we> episode <laughs> two is the demise of us because we, in air quotes, attacked Aaron Rodgers. We didn't. I'm no. just thinking about the Green Bay Packers for the next five, five to years. seven years mm-hmm. on how this affects the team. And I think from a business 
standpoint, if this is another aging quarterback that doesn't have the history with the team, we would be running him out of that town. Mm-hmm. But it's Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't say his play has greatly decreased. I think what we saw last year and kind of where his stats were was the the tension of him still loving and wanting to do what Mike McCarthy used to do with four and five wide receivers and what LaFleur was bringing in. And so I think as Aaron kind of learns his place in this offense more this year and just the knowledge, understanding, the terminology, I think his stats will go up a little bit. I definitely think he will probably get to maybe 30 touchdown passes, okay, which is kind of a little bit more bold than I think what a lot of people are predicting for him. But I really think he's going to hit 30 this year. Yeah. Uh, just because I think the weapons around him, I think he understands the part that they play a little bit better. Yes. And I think LaFleur will be a little bit more sensitive to where certain people need to be on certain downs, certain situations. So that kind of hurts me. What would you do? You kind of hinted at it. I, but- I would do it. I, I would do it and not really. And I, again, I love Aaron. Does not be taking a dig at Aaron. Um, I would do it only because I'm looking out for Jordan Love. I mean, he is the future of the Packers. Hopefully, you're hoping he's going to be the future of the Packers. Yeah, and I and think you want him to be to have the most pieces around him to be successful. I think I would feel more confident because I'm really not confident in saying this. I'm really not because say we hold on to Aaron for the remainder of his contract, which would be put us at 2023, 2024, 2023. Aaron Rodgers always has the ability to win a Super Bowl, and I think we've had that realization since. 2009 ish. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I mean, we could win three more Super Bowls. Jordan Love goes, I want out of here because you guys didn't play me when I wanted to. And I would be okay as a Packer fan because we won two Super yes. Bowls. Yes. But that's highly unlikely. Very. Even to Very win, highly unlikely. Even to win one is highly unlikely. I mean, the Packers have been a legitimate playoff contender for how many years now mm-hmm. and they've only been to one Super Bowl and won one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I think it sets up the Packers long term to be in contention with re-signing these elite players. Mm-hmm. So that's sure. my ending my closing thoughts. Yeah. Okay, I we need to move on. I can't I can't, <laughs> I can't. let's if if we get too much hate from it. We will delete this segment and repost this <laughs> podcast. Yes, please don't cancel us. We, we, we will delete it out. Don't cancel us. Daniel, let's move on to topic of the week. Top, 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 top. Packers position battles going to training camp. Training camp is actually one of your favorite times of the year, isn't it? Training camp is in my top three favorite times of the year. What are the other two? The other two is January playoff football, of course, and then anything after Thanksgiving. It's just always because that's when so football fun. starts, according to Bill Belichick. It, it's when the b- games count and Lambo gets a little colder, so I'm I'm all for it. But uh, yeah, training camp is definitely one of my favorite times of the year. I love seeing the position battles and then just the great traditions that the Packers, as an organization, have for training camp. And before I ever saw a game at Lambo Field, I spent two training camps up there, and that was always just a blast. Yeah. Uh, well, in honor of uh, the rookies reporting to camp here soon, uh, we're going to go ahead and discuss five different position group battles going to camp this year. The first one, I'm going to tee you up, right guard. Yeah, right guard. I don't know if last year we would have thought 
at this time that it was a position battle, but I think this year it will be with just the restructuring of Lane Taylor's contract. What's interesting about that contract is it's very incentive-based, so the more he plays or when he gets on the field or let's say if he beats out Billy Turner, he's going to make more money. Do you think – wait, you think there's a chance he's going to beat out Billy Turner? I do. I do. I think – I'm not sure what the chance of it is, but I think Lane Taylor is a very good player and I think has been in Green Bay for a while. Um, I think uh, also just keeping him on the roster and restructuring that deal, even if he doesn't start, was a very smart move for the Packers. He's a guy who's played – all five positions for them. If you need to kick him outside to tackle, bring him inside to center. He's played it all, and he's very versatile. And uh, another guy who I think could contend for that right guard spot would be someone like John Runyon. Yeah, kind of the rookies, kind of like what Jenkins did last year. And he kind of Taylor gets injured out a few weeks, and then just can't find his way back into the starting lineup because of how well that rookie's playing. So I think those are two names to kind of keep in mind. I think Billy Turner was um, definitely really inconsistent at the beginning of last season, mm-hmm. but as the season went on, he got more comfortable and was definitely a lot more steady. So I think um, with Matt LaFleur, I feel like he is making every position open open season to try to see who can win that spot and who really is the best on the roster at that position. But yeah, so I wouldn't put it past Lane Taylor winning that job or someone like John Runyon coming in. But I think Billy Turner's definitely going to have to prove his worth this training Did camp. Lane Taylor restructuring his contract also keep him on the roster? Because I feel like he didn't Yeah, agree to that. I think, too, just the turnover that they've had at the position the last four years, mm-hmm. I think he has the veteran presence. I definitely think the Packers are definitely um, – they're – trending in a way where they're trying to get younger and stuff, but you still have to have veteran backups at some of these positions. And I think offensive line is a great guy to have a backup at who has some experience with your quarterback and with your team. Yeah. Cool. We're going to move on to the uh, defensive side of the ball. Now the uh, second position we're going to talk about is slot corner. Yeah. So slot corner, I want to make a little bit of a disclaimer here. Who I want to win this position is Josh Jackson okay. because of the draft capital that they have in him and the flashes that he had while playing at Iowa. He was one. Of, he led the team in interceptions, I think, his last two years, so his junior and senior year. And he is just he. We drafted him to be that playmaker alongside Jair, but I think he's just had a really bad luck. Um, ever since he joined the team with certain injuries and just not getting the reps. And when he's in, he's played a little inconsistent. But I think he has an opportunity this camp to come in and win that slot corner position. But I wouldn't put it past Kadar Holman or Chandon Sullivan or possibly bringing back Tremont Williams for that position I wouldn't at mind all. seeing uh, Chandon Sullivan in that spot. I think it would be yeah. interesting to see him there. And I think what's interesting about this slot corner position is we have no idea who's going to play that because the guy who played it last season is out of the picture as of now. Now, he's still a free agent in Tremont Williams. But, I mean, I think this team is trying to go younger and they're trying to really build something with this defense. So it'll be interesting if they use someone in-house. But I think out of all these positions that we're going to name, this is the one that 
I absolutely have no idea, and that's why I'm kind of leading with who I want to win the position, mm. which would be Josh Jackson. And I think it's his job to lose, don't you think? Uh, in a way, yeah. I think the way Shannon Sullivan played last year in the preseason and last year towards the when he got the snaps, I should say, not when towards the later season because he had snaps in the early season games as well, but even Kadar Holman coming on late last year and being a really solid special teamer for them, I'm just... Uh, I wouldn't say it's his job to lose, but it's his job to take, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, cool. The uh, We're going to go back to the offensive side of the ball now for wide receiver. And to be clear, Devontae Adams is the number one. We're not arguing yes. about the number one spot. <laughs> we're not arguing. Because someone's going to tweet it like, you guys are arguing about the number yeah. one. No. I think uh, the rest of the depth chart. Yeah, it's basically one. two down. Yes. I would say two to five because I think me and you've had this discussion and we can talk about it again. But I don't see Matt LaFleur holding on to seven wide receivers like we have statement. done. I don't think it's going to happen and again. And so I think. And this was also one of the like most contentious position battles last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think Alan Lazard has a step in front of anyone else for that two position to play in a lot of the um, offensive snaps and get all the second reads as of now. I'm not saying that will be the case uh, later on in training camp and as the season goes on, but I think a guy to really watch is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Okay. Just because I think last year, if you watch some of the early season games, he got a lot of snaps with just him and Devontae out there. But then between getting an injury, apparently, which has been reported, and just, I don't know, uh, a little sloppy sometimes with what he does, I think his snap count went down and just having a a plaguing injury the whole year Mm -hmm. kind of put a damper on his season. But as far as raw talent, I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the body type that the Packers need to stretch the field. And we've heard it that Matt LaFleur said this offense needs more big plays. And I think when Marquez Valdez-Scantling got the ball, he made those big plays. Yes. It's just a, the matter of making those plays consistent. Yeah, that game, the first game in Chicago. The first game in Chicago. Catch. He had the free play in week three against Denver, mm-hmm. which was huge for that game. And um, I think another guy to watch out for towards the end of the roster is probably to see if Jake Kumaro gets cut. Obviously he's a green Bay, Wisconsin favorite, him going to Wisconsin whitewater for college. I just don't know if he has the abilities. I think don't you dare slander touchdown Jesus. I know it, it, it hurts me to say that training because camp darling family night, darling. He is the darling, but I just, I don't know if he can survive this roster cut because I think he's been on the bubble the past two years, but I just don't know if he can survive this bubble cut, especially if we're going down to five to six wide receivers. Yes. But um, another name is EQ coming back. I thought he played tremendously in uh, 2018, especially in the back half of the year. And it was a really bummer that he had to basically blow out his leg in that terrible game in Canada last year. See, I wouldn't be shocked. I see it the opposite way. I wouldn't be shocked if EQ is the one getting cut. Yeah, I just, mean, just because Jake kind of has that I think consistency what, in the offense. What helps Jake more. is how hard of a worker he is and yes. also how good he is run blocking. Like yes. there was a few times, I think it's in the Chicago game, the clip was going around a few months ago of him just jam blocking Khalil Mack right at the line of scrimmage. So I think 
he he's a hard worker, and I think uh, this coaching staff sees that. But I just I think EQ was really starting to flash, and I think with Kumro, if he's this good and it lives up to the hype of pack that Packers fans give him, you would think he would get more snaps by this point. Yes, because he I mean uh, towards. I didn't really see him until about midway through the season. It was I'm that not Raiders sure. game was, was when that, he kind yeah, of Yeah, that Raiders game is when he started getting snaps. So I'm just I'm just not sure. But also a guy like Devin Funches is a guy I was going to ask you where on. you think he's going to end up. I mean... Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being the two. Yeah, I think he, he his style of play is going to be really good in the run zone. or I'm sorry, in the red zone. But... I just don't know if Rodgers is going to give him 50-50 balls. That's not something that Rodgers has really made a living on doing, and that's something that Devin Funches excels at is getting 50-50 balls and playing really big in the red zone. But, or the um, red area, according to Matt LaFleur. Yeah, the red area. God, so. I hate that. So that's the only thing I don't like about LaFleur. <laughs> he calls red it the red zone, area. red area. Who but, calls it that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Please, please continue. Yeah, but I think um, – I think I'm excited, though, for what LaFleur can do in this dynamic of getting the right players on the field with what we need. So Mm -hmm. if we need that deep threat, getting Marquez Valdez-Scantling out there. If we need something in the red zone, throw in Devin Funchess. Because, I mean, Devin Funchess is basically the body replacement for what Jimmy Graham should have been for us in the red zone. And so I'm excited, but Funchess is going to have to cut out those drops to gain Rogers trust. And and it's interesting too, because of the Packers, it's seeming the seeming transition to a run heavy offense. Yeah. Which I mean, not going to be lining up at four verticals anymore. Five wide. Yeah. Empty backfield. I mean, I do think they're going to try to change the culture to more of the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay stuff, but become the 49ers of the Midwest, the 49ers of the Midwest. But I just, I don't know if they're to get down, say 10 points in a game, if they're going to keep that up or just say, Aaron, do what you do best and what you're comfortable with. And I think last year at times, even when we were ahead in games, I think we saw just the friction of, holding on to what this team was with Mike McCarthy and then also what this team is now with Matt, Matt LaFleur. So, yeah, I think that's – I think wide receivers probably what we're going to – what we spent the most time on because it's just such a staple in Green Bay mm-hmm. of a position. Like everyone in Green Bay is all about wide receivers and yes. it always comes down to the last a few weeks A rich of history of very good receivers. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'm excited, but of course, I mean – Devante's the number one, and I'm really I I don't have a feeling of I don't care what goes on from two to five or two to six because Devante's such a good wide receiver. Yeah, it'd be interesting too. I think the only thing that might save these guys is if the rosters are expanded. Correct. The practice squad. Is yeah, expanded, I think it might save some of these guys. That jobs. would definitely save a guy like Jake Coomer. I think because I think the Packers don't want to get rid of him. It just doesn't make sense to have him Fit, as of yes. now. But, yeah, that's a huge point for me as well. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on back to the defensive side of the ball and talk about interior defensive line. Yeah, I think it's basically this discussion. Who's going to line up next to Kenny Clark? Mm-hmm. Now, Kenny Clark, I said it earlier in this episode, he plays really well for 3-4. He would probably play better in 4-3, but 3-4 – 
his ability to take on double teams is second to none in my book. But who's going to play next to him in the base defense package? Because we know they get really creative on third down and usually just send out a bunch of pass rush specialists, throw Z in the middle, all this. But who in those first and second down run situations are you going to put next to um, Kenny Clark? And I really think a guy who can step up and basically take over that position early in camp is Kingsley Kiki. Yes. Um, he really excites me. He really excites me too. I think he is a very, he's a very flashy almost. I was telling Austin that I was able to rewatch all of last year's preseason yeah, games, <laughs> which I don't think a whole lot of people would have done that, but I two names that just flew off every game that I was watching. It was Kingsley Kiki and Curtis Bolton. Now, Curtis Bolton got hurt after the second game, I believe, but uh, Kingsley Kiki really flashed even at the end of last uh, regular season as well. So I think it would be really exciting to see him step up in that way. And I heard Aaron Nagler say it like this, this summer is the summer of Texas A&M. It's going to be <laughs> Jay Sternberger and Kingsley Kiki. And then also, I mean, I don't, I think King or uh, Dean Lowry had a little bit of a down year last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, kind of got back to his 2018 self because there's a reason why they extended him I, after I, last somebody season. Somebody has to understand it because I understand yeah. why they extended him, but it, that's it, just me. I think, I mean, he showed good flashes in 2018, and I think he can get back to at least a very playable type of player uh, next season. Cool. We're going to move on to the last spot, the last position battle, backup quarterback. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've already I talked feel like, about Jordan Love a lot. We're gonna go ahead and end with Jordan Love. Yeah, um, I feel as though the quarterback, the backup quarterback position, has had a little bit more steam in Green Bay these past three years. Like when they traded for Deshaun Kaiser, or last year when we had the Tim Boyle laser show against trying to force Deshaun Kaiser out of Green Bay. Thank God he did, and it worked. But I, I think. Uh, especially if there's no preseason games, I really do think they hold on to three quarterbacks. So you could see Tim Boyle being... Yeah, packed. I just think Tim Boyle having the experience in this offense and having some reps as limited as they are helps him. And I think Jordan Love, if he can just... I think his main thing this year is just being a sponge. I mean, you're playing with Aaron Rodgers. Watch him, study him, pick his brain because he's one of the best to ever do it. And I think the only thing that Tim Boyle has over him at this point is just the seniority and his understanding of the offense. And if they don't have any preseason games, it benefits Tim Boyle. It benefits Tim Boyle. Unless there is a preseason and Jordan Love goes out there, lights it up. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we could totally see that too. And I, I'm just I don't know if they would be confident enough or I would be confident enough for a guy who's never had any in game play just to be thrown out there, say if Rogers, if get Rogers hurt. gets hurt. Right. So yeah. I would like to hear your thoughts. Do you think they keep three? I I think just like you said, if there's no preseason, boils the backup, keep love on the bet you know, yeah. Sitting, learning. Don't force love to take his first meaningful snaps if Rogers gets hurt. Absolutely. That's what we don't want. We mm -hmm. want him to have a preseason, yeah. get those practice reps in, but not in a game that means something and Rodgers goes down and the pressure's on him. Absolutely. 
And on that note, we'll uh, go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, we really appreciate it. Uh, we hope you continue to listen as we cover the future of the Green Bay Packers and the NFL. Daniel, where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on Instagram and Twitter just with at Daniel Marhanka. That's M-A-R-H-A-N-K-A. Where can they find you, Austin? I am on Instagram and Twitter with the same handle, Austin A. Gann. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Until next time, see ya. Adios. Adios.